sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after live right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, that is SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. A ton to get to here on the eve of the 2023 NBA draft. With the markets moving like crazy with the idea that Charlotte is most likely zeroing in on selecting Brandon Miller at number two overall. A doubleheader of Rafael Barlow here in studio for the second consecutive day to break down what is happening in the NBA draft and what he is hearing as we get ready for the draft tomorrow night in Brooklyn. That will be in our next segment together. We'll preview a new week on the PGA Tour and end with your daily slate of Major League Baseball as well. A big day in Omaha, Nebraska yesterday. A doubleheader of elimination games at the 2023 Men's College World Series. The nightcap, an SEC rivalry between Tennessee and LSU. A game where both teams were booked with the same price on the money line. Minus 113 for the Vols. Minus 113 for the Bayou Bengals. Both teams looking to stay in the Big O. Both teams looking to keep their seasons alive. And LSU able to exactly do that. A 5-0 shutout victory of Tennessee last night in Omaha, Nebraska at Charles Schwab Field. LSU keeps their season alive and stays in Omaha at the CWS. Tennessee has their season come to a close, unable to muster up any offense from a scoring compartment yesterday against LSU, who now takes the season series, winning both games in Omaha, five out of the, or four out of the five, excuse me, against their SEC foes all season long. It was LSU knocking off Tennessee in the Saturday night cap, the second day of College World Series action in Omaha, 6-3, yesterday 5-0 against Tennessee. So the Volunteers have their time come to a close in Omaha. LSU continues its 19th run at the College World Series, trying to make their way out of the loser's bracket, coming back to knock off Wake Forest if at all possible. We'll look at the odds for that game in just a moment. A rematch of the opener between Oral Roberts and TCU yesterday as well. And something we hadn't seen happen yet in Omaha. Yesterday was the fifth day of the College World Series. Neither game decided by only a single run. Two five-run margins as TCU keeps their season afloat, sending ORU home a 6-1 to one victory over Oral Roberts. It was a big fifth inning for TCU, playing five runs and holding on to knock off Oral Roberts. The Horn Frogs were a minus 162 money line favorite yesterday as the Golden Eagles see their Cinderella run in the NCAA baseball tournament come to a close. Four runs, actually, in the fifth inning to pace things for TCU. Oral Roberts, just the third-ever number four seed to make it to the College World Series. Their run comes to a close. They came back from a 5-2 ninth-inning deficit to hand TCU a loss in the opener in Omaha at the College World Series. They could not find that comeback 
yesterday as TCU keeps their season going six to one over Oral Roberts. So now as we look at the odds of the Omaha eight, it's just the Omaha four remaining at the college world series wake forest remains the favorite an odds on favorite minus 115 florida the second best price plus 165 we'll get to why the other two prices for lsu and tcu are where they stand in just a moment but first we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here hour number two of the morning after live right here on sports grid sirius xm channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well i am ben stevens so only four teams remain in Omaha for the 2023 Men's College World Series. Wake Forest is the favorite, minus 115. They are in the winner's bracket, the winner's matchup of bracket number two. Florida has the second best price at plus 165. The Gators, like the Deeks, a perfect 2-0 so far in Omaha. So what does that mean as you see these odds with LSU and TCU much longer prices? Wake Forest and Florida need only one more win to get to the college world series finals meanwhile lsu and tcu have to beat wake forest and florida respectively twice to get to the college world series finals in this double elimination format so can florida end tcu season tonight and become the first team to advance to the college world series finals will wake forest accomplish the same in the marquee matchup against lsu it is the nightcap once again in Omaha, Wake Forest, the number one national seed in this tournament, a minus 150 favorite to end LSU season in advance of the CWS finals. Again, we have only seen in the history of this format of the NCAA baseball tournament dating back to 1999, one number one national seed ever win a national championship. That was Miami in the first year of this format back in 1999. Wake Forest, the favorite to win it all. Wake Forest, a minus 150 favorite to advance to the CWS finals tonight. Florida is in the first game up. They're a minus 215 favorite against TCU. It is the opener in Omaha today. First pitch scheduled for 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Florida and TCU fighting for an appearance in the College World Series final. If Florida wins, they're in. If TCU wins, we'll do it all again tomorrow for a spot in the CWS finals. It is the eve of the 2023 NBA draft. For a second consecutive day, Rafael Barlow joins us live in studio on the morning app. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It is a Wednesday. Live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. But tomorrow on a Thursday, it is the 2023 NBA Draft. And again for a second consecutive day, Rafael Barlow joins us live right here in studio on TMA. The director of scouting for NBA Big Boy, Rafael, we appreciate you being back for a second straight day. How were the festivities in New York City yesterday? It was good. You know, it's a little tough. I got an 11-month-old and a 13-year-old with me and my wife. And so I'm like the tour guide. and trying to work but it's 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 something that 
we'll always remember down the line. So it's it's been a great experience. Trying to enjoy the festivities, but also trying to keep your ear to the ground for any updates for the 2023 NBA draft. We got a big one last night from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski that really kind of backed up what you told us here in studio yesterday. You were pretty confident Brandon Miller, despite the smoke screens, was going to be that second overall pick for Charlotte. What have you heard in the past 24 hours about the top half of the NBA draft? I mean, not really much other than that I said yesterday because I was adamant that I thought Brandon Miller was still going to be number two. And then um, I think Amon Thompson is a lock at four. We we know Wimbayama's going number one. Right. I mean, there's already people on the streets wearing Wimbayama Spurs jerseys. Uh, but Portland, that's that's going to be interesting. What, what happens with Portland now? Does, does Dame finally say, hey, this I'm asking now. Right. I don't know. It's going to be interesting tomorrow. You were out of it yesterday that Brandon Miller would remain the number two overall pick yep. to Charlotte. At this point yesterday, it was Scoot Henderson who was greater than a $2 favorite to be that second overall selection. Yep. The reporting comes out overnight. It moves the draft market like crazy. Brandon Miller now a minus 470 favorite to be that second overall pick. Why were you so adamant? Why were you so confident that Brandon Miller all along would be that second overall selection for Charlotte? Yeah, I think there's just some concerns if, if Scoot and LaMelo can play together. I think that's the, the biggest concern. And then Brandon Miller just fills an immediate need, has a little bit more positional versatility. I think he's easier to plug and play in any lineup. And so to me, it just makes sense. And I'm a big Brandon Miller guy, and yeah. it's not a knock on Scoot, but he was, I mean, very productive, like nearly 19 points, eight rebounds per game, 38% from three. And Scoot is not as good of a shooter, maybe a better athlete, but I just think Brandon is easy to to plug and play Brandon Miller the SEC freshman of the year last year for Alabama do you think anything could change in the next 24 hours or so that would move this market once again as we saw last year anything can happen right. and it can change all the way up until the minute of the draft so I guess we won't know until the names are called but yes it, it can't possibly change again I would say the only guarantee if you want to call it a guarantee for tomorrow night is Victor Wembayama minus 50,000 to be that first overall selection for San Antonio so as we focus on number three what Portland might do there's been some reporting that Damian Lillard wants to rebuild with veterans that the Blazers might shop that third overall pick but at this moment Raphael Scoot Henderson a minus 370 favorite to be that third overall selection so a two-part question for you. Okay. Does Scoot go number three, and does Portland make that pick? Scoot goes number three. I think Portland makes the pick, and then they make a trade hours into the draft. I'm hearing Paul George. I, mm. I saw that as, as a rumor that the Clippers may be interested in breaking up Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which is, I mean, I remember when they signed together, that was like a huge deal, and they just haven't been healthy. And so... It's a short-term, I guess, gamble in, in a sense for, for Portland. But I do think Scoot is going to go number three. I just don't know where he's going to end up by the end of the night. Again, the odds are only that Scoot Henderson is the third overall pick, not drafted third overall to Portland. Right. An interesting distinction when you look at those odds markets. There's been some speculation that New Orleans is in love, infatuated with Scoot Henderson yeah. as a prospect. Do you think there's any chance the Pelicans might try to move up the board to take Scoot at three overall? Yeah, I think they're definitely trying. I mean, the rumors are out there that they're dangling Zion and maybe Brandon Ingram. But yeah, I definitely think that the Pelicans are trying, which I wonder since Brandon Miller is likely to go number two, does the offer lessen a little bit since, mm. it's, since it's number three? 
But the Blazers and the Pelicans worked out a deal with C.J. McCollum a few months back, a few years back. So I wonder would they would they work out again? Quickly here on Zion Williamson, the number one overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft. He hasn't been on the floor all that often for the Pels, but when he has, we see why he was drafted first overall. What does it mean to you that Zion Williamson is at least involved in some of these trade speculations entering this NBA offseason? It tells me that. They don't trust his body. I mean, 114 games, I think it's 114 out of a possible 308. And so I know his contract isn't fully guaranteed, but maybe this is a time where they figure, you know, we can get the most value for him now and then don't have to worry about it. And then on the other end, a team that's a small market team can probably think, like, we would never get him in free agency, but if we get him now, we can have him locked in for a few years. So like you mentioned, Amon Thompson feels like a lock at number four. He's a minus 250 favorite to be that fourth overall selection. Where, where the odds stand right now, all four of the top picks have at least a $2.5 favorite or more. The first plus money favorite is Jairus Walker to be the fifth overall selection for Detroit. Any different sense of what Detroit might do from when we spoke yesterday with that fifth overall selection? Yeah, I think it definitely changed when I think it was either Woj or Groney made a tweet about it. I still think they should go with Cam Whitmore. And I, I wonder if Cam is supposedly sliding because he's not a great interview. He's a very reserved guy. And I think sometimes if you're interviewing against a guy that has a lot more personality, it can kind of weigh against you. But I think they should go with Cam at number five. There was some talk about Cam Whitmore and potential health issues. He missed the first couple games of his freshman year at Villanova, but played the final 26 and averaged more than 12 points per game. As we look after the prospects that might go in the top five, the rest of the lottery, what is a name that excites you the most? Yeah, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Bilal Koulibaly. I definitely think that he is is rising. I don't know if he gets past Utah at number nine. Mm. He could even go higher. I heard that from a little birdie. I mentioned that yesterday, yeah. but I think he can go a little higher than nine. He's a, right now a plus 210 price to be a top 10 overall selection. A couple other names there that we have for top 10 picks. Kobe Bufkin out of Michigan. Derek Lively after his freshman year at Duke. How do you think these young college prospects translate to the next level? I think Lively has a very easy fit, especially if he ends up in Dallas at 10. I mean, doesn't he remind you of Tyson Chandler a little bit? A little bit. And so he provides rim protection, rebounding, and a vertical lob threat, even though he only averaged like five a game. But I think he can help the Mavs immediately, a team that was like the worst team in the league in rebounding. And then Bufkin is interesting. Uh, it just depends on where he ends up. I mean, with, if it's Oklahoma City yep. or maybe or, Orlando. It's going to be interesting. It's kind of a logjam at his position. Toronto, maybe he could be a replacement for Van Vliet, but I don't. It's going to be interesting to see. I should say that much. Derek Lively, right now, one of the best shot blockers that we saw last year in the college game. There's four draft position props over unders on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kobe Bufkin, one of them. Bilal Kulabali, like you mentioned, at 11.5 right now, the under having the juice. Taylor Hendricks, same name we mentioned yesterday, who's been on the rise out of UCF, his number 8.5. Kaysen Wallace, the point guard out of Kentucky, 13.5. Out of those names that we just mentioned, who do you think might see their stock rise the most in the next 20? four hours I probably say Bufkin I mean that's that's the word is that his stock stock is rising so he would be the one that I would say but then even lively I think lively doesn't get past Dallas at 10 but someone like maybe Orlando could could I don't know if they'll take him at six but maybe they can package six and 11 and try to move up so I, I would say lively or, or Bufkin 
as we look at guys that might slide in the first round tomorrow night any name that you think might drop a little bit in next in tomorrow's NBA draft yeah Bryce Sensenball is, is the name that I think could, could slide him mean, if you look at the numbers and, and production he would be probably lottery range but he's had a quiet pre-draft process mm. and I think he could end up sliding pretty low there was a lot of optimism for Bryce Sensabaugh after winning the Big Ten Freshman of the Year Award after his only year in Columbus with Ohio State. Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, joining us for a second consecutive day live in studio. And again, remember, he's still pretty adamant. Brandon Miller is going to be that second overall pick. Rafael, thank you so much for the time over these past two days. Sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so much. Anytime. Very glad to have you here. More on the morning after coming your way in just a couple of moments. We focus on the PGA Tour and the Travelers up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back to this Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. It's time to look into the world of golf. A recap of the United States Open and a first-time major champion. And another big week on the PGA Tour. The Travelers, the Travelers Championship, one of the highlights of every year on the PGA Tour schedule. An elevated event that... Doesn't carry as much weight now as we know what's happening in the world of golf, but Cam will save that for another day. Cam Rogers joins us live right here on TMA. Of course, the host of Lock It In for Believe and Believe Me Friday nights on Stadium as well. Cam, thank you so much for joining us here on another Wednesday on the morning after. Good to be with you, Ben. Excited for yet another segment with you. Always a highlight of my week. So, Cam, thank you very much for saying that. We look back first on the 2023 United States Open. Our national championship with some huge names entering Sunday. But the man that outlasts them all, Wyndham Clark. His first major championship, only about a month and a half after his first PGA Tour win of his career at the Memorial, or excuse me, at the Wells Fargo Championship in early May. So Cam, when you look at what Wyndham Clark has done in the last month and a half, his first PGA Tour victory, the Wells Fargo Championship in May, followed by a U.S. Open major championship win this past Sunday, how have the winning ways emerged for Wyndham Clark? Really remarkable stuff, and I think it starts with the ball striking, Ben. I mean, the iron game has consistently been fantastic so far this calendar year, and he has shown some signs, right? Contending in elevated events, winning an elevated event, been there, done yeah. that in the big boy tournaments. And so that tells me that, okay, that experience meant a lot for him. And then you can parlay that into playing well in a major championship. But here's the deal, Ben. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I saw this coming. I did not. He was like 110 to 1 to win the United States Open. So you win Vegas on that one. I mean, he bucked every trend going into this thing outside of the top 30 in the official world golf ranking. 10 of the last 10 U.S. Open winners until Wyndham were inside that top 30. Oh, by the way, his best major championship finish 
was a T75, Ben. Like, zero experience in terms of contending on these stages, and he gets it done. Pretty remarkable. Really remarkable stuff. Outlasting a field that had some of the heaviest hitters in golf. Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, and of course, after history in the opening round on Thursday, Ricky Fowler sadly coming up short once again at a major championship. Now we turn our attention to TPC River Highlands in the Travelers Championship in Connecticut, Cam, a staple of the PGA Tour schedule. As we focus on the course itself, TPC River Highlands, what are the keys to having success on this track? It is a cakewalk for the PGA Tour golfers here this week. It's always funny when you go from the U.S. Open to the Travelers, which is going to be an absolute birdie fest. Now, of course, there's going to be trouble, so you have to pick your spots a little bit here, but it is a par 70 that is less than 7,000 yards. Bent grass greens, Pete Dye design golf course. So when you think Pete Dye design, you think second shot golf course. That is very much the theme here this week. Iron game is absolutely key. Driving distance does not matter to me. You better get birdies and bunches. And Ben, I have been to this golf course multiple times. In fact, it was my first ever in-person PGA Tour event. It is gettable. Mm. It is soft. It is easy. And so you better put your pedal to the metal this week as far as birdies are concerned, eagles op opportunities as well. So it should be an exciting and electric week. It's often a nice reward, Cam, for struggling during the toughest test in the world right. of golf. Maybe Los Angeles Country Club wasn't all that stout as Wyndham Clark wins at 10 under par, but it is going to be much more of a birdie desire out there this week at the Travelers. And again, it's an elevated event this week. So some of the big names following a major championship are all here. Scotty Scheffler is the favorite at 6-1. to one. Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hoffman, Colin Morikawa. The list goes on and on. Wyndham Clark, the United States Open champion, 50-1 to one this week at the Travelers. So Cam, with the big names in the field, the week following a major championship, what is your expectation? Fade the u.s open contenders hangover is real ben put it all together right you're going from la across the country to the east coast you have jet lag you have the fact that you did not win the u.s open despite being in contention and then you throw in the fact that listen this is not normally the biggest event of the year, and now it is an elevated yeah. event. So can these guys have that motivation here this week? Vegas is begging you to pick Xander. Vegas is begging you to take John Rahm with these numbers here, and I just can't go there this week. You know, obviously, I am on some guys who played at the U.S. Open as far as my picks are concerned, Ben, but the contenders, the McElroys, the Fowlers, the Shoffleys of the world, such a difficult and taxing week when you are in contention at the U.S. Open, and then you're going across the country dealing with the time zone change. So I'm staying off these short numbers here this week. When you see four of the six best prices this week at the Travelers finish in the top 10, it is rather ridiculous. Scotty Scheffler, a third-place finish. Roy McIlroy, a runner-up at the U.S. Open. John Rahm fired a final round 65 to get back in the top 10. And after Xander Shoffley made history in Thursday's opening round with a 62, he peeled back a little bit over the next three rounds, but still a top 10. 
10 finish. So, Cam, if we look at fading some of these contenders from the U.S. Open last week, who's the pick to win the Travelers outright? The pick to win is Colin Morikawa, and you are getting a juicy beautiful 22 to 1 number over at FanDuel uh, Sportsbook here, Ben. After WDing from the Memorial, it's clear that his back is healthy again, and he played steady at the U.S. Open. Never was really in contention, but over the last 36 rounds, Morikawa has gained 1.7 strokes per round on approach. That's the second most in this field. He's second in strokes gained approach for the season. Also has gained with the putter in three of his last four starts. So if the putter is working for this guy and the iron game is there, I think you can put that all together. By the way, he's a shorter hitter. Accuracy off the tee. Good iron game right now. Second shot golf course. Colin Morikawa at 22 to 1. You could do a lot mm. worse than that. So I like him to get it done this week. T14, two under for the tournament in his native Los Angeles at LACC. That's what Colin Morikawa posted last week at the U.S. Open. So, Cam, we're fading the contenders from last week. But again, you're going to see this board of the big names in this field. All of these guys finished top 10 last week at the U.S. Open. Why is it so difficult to carry that momentum over from the toughest test in golf and a major championship? Yeah, and especially for the U.S. Open, Ben, right? This isn't the Masters. This isn't the Open. This is, in theory, the most difficult tournament that you deal with in the calendar year right now. Again, you mentioned it. L.A. Country Club wasn't exactly a beast, but a lot of guys did struggle, and Rory McIlroy struggled in that final round. So you're looking at that grouping there. Listen, I'll eat the chalk. Plus 165 with Scotty Scheffler here. I think that's a fine play when you compare it to Ra, McIlroy, and Shoffley, especially McIlroy and Shoffley. This, to me, is like a matchup play against John Rahm. I'll go with Scotty Scheffler because he has shown me the most that he can be consistent week in and week out. If he wins, he still plays well. If he doesn't win, he still plays well. Like, he's just been so darn consistent that I'll take that plus 165 price there. But that is a difficult group there to handicap. Cam, the plays don't just stop at fading Rory McIlroy from winning outright. It's a fade of Rory in another compartment as well. How badly might Rory struggle this week of the Travelers? I don't think he's going to play well at all. In fact, I like him for a missed cut prop at plus 350. Some juiciness on that one. Listen, he missed the cut at the players, missed the cut at the Masters as well. We're right around a major championship again, flying across the country to play in the Travelers after a disappointing finish at the U.S. Open. Jet lag as well. And then Ben I don't think his mind is in it this week. Remember, he skipped mm. an elevated event not too long ago. I think he's like Marshawn Lynch this week. He's showing up so he doesn't get fined. $3 million. So, listen, he'll show up, struggle, miss the cut, plus 350. Not too bad of a price. This is the time to cash in on an MC. I think it's due here for Rory. And as we look at the rest of the plays, Cam, take us through a couple of your finishing positions that you like the most this week in Connecticut. Yeah, big fan of Hideki Matsuyama here this week, Ben. Top 10 finish for him. The elite ball striking is back. Fifth in strokes gained approach over the last 24 rounds. He gained a staggering 8.6 strokes on approach last week at the U.S. Open. 
Tom Kim, T8 at the U.S. Open last week. That iron game has been consistent, like him for a top 10. I want to quickly talk about Mark Hubbard. This guy is a great play for a top 20 this week. Two top 10s in mm. his last three starts, and he's doing it with the ball striking. Has never missed a cut here at TPC River Highlands. And then Shane Lowry, Mr. Steady, three top 20s in his last four starts. He's been profitable over the last month. Keep it going here with Shane Lowry, top 20. Some big plus money prices on the card for Cam Rogers as we get ready for the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands in Connecticut. Cam, the host of Believe Me on Stadium and, of course, the Lock It In podcast for Believe as well. Cam, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you, Ben. Take care. Now around the Major League Baseball slate, the Sandlot slate with Jim Saunas returning to the show up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. That's a top five, like, archetype of day. So I am just pumped about this. Getting some some three balls down for, uh, for some PGA. So, you know, it's a good day. How you doing? Jim, I love that for you, man. I really, really do. That will be a beautiful Wednesday indeed. And it starts in literally about an hour and a half. First game yeah. up of the day, or at least one of the first that is featured on the slate. A matchup between the two teams with the two best records in the American League. It's Baltimore and Tampa Bay at the Trop. As we look at the odds right now, Jim, for this game with first pitch scheduled at 12:11 p.m. Eastern Time, Taj Bradley, the young rookie for the Rays, gets the start. They're a minus 146 home favorite. And at the Trop this year, Jim, they've been sensational. 31 and 8. But that eighth loss at home came courtesy of Baltimore yesterday. The O's 23 road wins tied for the most in MLB. So, Jim, what do the numbers tell us? How do you weigh one of the best road teams in the sport against the best home team in all the bigs? I mean, I think this is a pretty, like, even matchup. I mean, that's kind of, like, controversial because the Rays have been so good. But I think they still have a major weakness in this, this team, and that's their bullpen. The bullpen has gotten a bit more talk recently for how much it's struggled. And I don't think in the postseason it'll be a big concern because they can add some guys there. They can shift some of their starters to the bullpen. The starters, I think a lot of their guys will play very well as relievers. So I think long-term, it's not a big concern. But for regular season games, it can kind of be. Now, it's not enough to get me on the Orioles money line for today but I think it does keep me away from betting the Rays I think if you're looking for an angle to bet on this game you want some action on this one I'd look towards the strikeout department Tyler Wells his strikeout prop is five and a half plus 106 on the over and it is scary because you could see him get bounced pretty fast because the Rays are a very dangerous offense. They are at home. He's on the road and stuff like that. But Wells recently has been a pretty high strikeout guy since he kind of changed his approach, changed his mentality on the mound where he's trying to gun for more strikeouts, which we love for strikeout props, but also just in general because you can't get bit by a ball in play when there's no ball in play to get bit by. So to me, I love this approach mentality or the change in approach for Wells. The strikeout numbers have followed suit. So over five and a half plus 106, despite facing a very tough offense, I think is a fair number. The total in this game was eight. It has since gone down to seven and a half. You can still get an eighth out there. 
minus 110, yeah. minus 115, somewhere in there. I think an under is in play, but to me, based on the current markets at FanDuel, under or over five and a half strikeouts or wells, plus 106, a very good number given the mindset he has and what that mindset has led to recently. And you see that movement in the total, eight overnight, seven and a half as we stand right now. The Trop often known for being a pitcher-friendly ballpark and unders aplenty. Yesterday, though, 8-6, the win for Baltimore, 14 combined runs well over that total of seven and a half. So as we look at these teams, Jim, the Rays, the best record in the bigs, the only team that's won more than 50 games. The Orioles, the second best record in the American League, the third best record in MLB. The Rangers, that third best record in the AL as well. Jim, three teams we probably didn't expect to be the three that lead the way in the American League entering this season. Of the three, though, who do you have the most confidence in actually contending for a pennant? I think it has to be the Rays, in large part because, as we discussed, their big bugaboo right now is the bullpen, and I think that they can improve that a lot by shifting one of those starters to the bullpen once you get to the postseason, and that's kind of what this award is about is – what you can do during the postseason. So I think the Rays are best positioned for that because their offense, phenomenal. Yeah. Starting pitching, phenomenal. And it would be too if you take out some of those guys. So to me, the Rays are the best position team, but the market also understands that. They're 2-1 to one to win the AL, and I think that fully encapsulates where they're at right now. So no value for me in the Rays. And, like, I want to back the Orioles. Like, I would love to. The problem is that all the American League East is nuts. It's not just the Rays. It's yeah. also the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are a very good team, even though the results have not shown that as of yet. If you look at the, the like league leaders in barrels that turn into outs, so like a really hard hit ball that should be like a dinger, extra bases, stuff like that, that have turned into outs, the Jays are basically just peppering the top of the leaderboard. So they've had a lot of guys who have had bad luck in this lineup, but I think that long-term that will stabilize, and this offense will show how good they can be that's in addition to what they can do elsewhere so i would love to back the orioles i think they're probably undervalued at 18 to 1 to win the american league but just so tough given how difficult that division is how many good teams there are there especially once the yankees yeah. get that offense healthier as well so to me the american league market as a whole is kind of a stay away because there are so many strong teams specifically in the al east where they're kind of they might cannibalize each other a bit so to me i feel like the al futures market is a stay away just because i don't want to deal with that nonsense of having so many elite teams all clumped together because it is kind of just a headache with how good they've all been this year Jim, it's a really good point. All five teams in this division right now, including the Red Sox, who sit in last and have the longest of the five prices, as Boston is on a six-game win streak. All five of the teams in the American League East four games above 500 or better you compare that to the american league central where all teams including the twins sorry jim two games below <laughs> 500 or worse and minnesota holds the top spot it is a gauntlet in the american league east including a team in toronto that is in fourth out of five teams at the moment but still five games above 500 snapping a four game win streak for miami yesterday as toronto blanks the fish to nothing in miami today the other game that starts at 12 11 p.m eastern time in what should be on paper jim a really good pitching matchup sandy alcantara the reigning nl cy young winner coming off perhaps his best start since early april in this matchup facing kevin gossman who has been good this year for the blue jays the total is seven toronto favored on the road jim what's the approach 
Yeah, I think that there are a couple conflicting views I have of this game. The first one is I had some interest in the Kevin Gosman strikeout over six and a half is minus 112 right now, given he's facing a lower power team. And I think that's kind of the spot where you want Gosman, where those batted ball issues that he can have are less likely to bite him, both because he's facing a lower power offense and because he's in a park where power doesn't play super well. So I thought that that might be a way to go here. Over six and a half is minus 110 right now for Gosman, but also... I kind of just feel like this game is going to wind up being tight where we're not going to see a lot of runs. Obviously, Alcantara has struggled a lot so far this year, but does go back home. We tend to see decently extreme home road splits for the Marlins pitchers for whatever reason. So maybe he benefits from that. And the Marlins overall, I think, are a pretty good team. Um I know they haven't always played like that, but they've been playing a lot better recently. The offense, not a high power offense, but they're like, okay, better against lefties than against righties. So that doesn't benefit them versus Gosman here today. So I think that the two spots where I have interest, I have not bet anything in this game, but the two spots that did stand out to me were the Gosman strikeout over six and a half at minus 110. And then the Marlins money line at plus 116. Obviously that would not be a, a same game parlay chance. Uh, that's, Definitely, you don't want to tie uncorrelated bets together like that. But those were the spots that did at least entice me. So I think if I were to pick Ben in this game, I'd be leaning towards the Marlins money line. Uh, but for me, it winds up being a stay away just because I, I respect both these teams a lot and think that the Marlins might be a team that is a bit better than perception right now. Jim, one team that is the hottest in Major League Baseball right now, the Cincinnati Reds. Winners of 10 straight games yes Cincinnati has won 10 consecutive games they look to make it 11 with an early start at the Great American Ballpark in Cincy as well they host Colorado they're greater than a $2 favorite live right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook minus 205 as that home money line favorite so Jim the odds expect the Reds to make 11 to win 11 straight do you think the streak lives today in Cincinnati yeah, I like Andrew Abbott a lot. He's a really fun pitcher. He's been fantastic so far. It hasn't really shown up entirely, but like he's also had really tough matchups. Past two games against the Cardinals and Astros, both very veteran teams that hit lefties well and not as much uh, with the Rockies. They just putrid against lefties. So I can't get to the money line. It's a pretty hefty number per, for that. But like I think that they should be well positioned to win this game. The interesting thing for me is more in the home run prop department for this game because you can get some pretty enticing numbers on guys in the Reds batting very high in the order. TJ Friedel batting leadoff plus 520. That's enticing. He went hmm. deep last night and does have decent power numbers against righties. So I like that. And then also Spencer Steer moved up in the order for today, batting second. He is seven to one to hit a home run at Great American Ballpark while batting second against the pitcher who is not super restrictive with long balls. So to me, I think if you're betting this game, I would not go towards the money line in the Reds. I'd look in the home runs the home run prop department steer at seven to one is my favorite because that is a massively long number has good power numbers even without the platoon advantage so do like that and then Friedel plus 520 batting at the top of the order given great american ballpark does tend to be homer friendly um i think that that all lines up pretty well so to me instead of batting betting the money line give me the home run props uh both Friedel and steer really good numbers right now at fanduel sportsbook 
How about Joey Votto, the old vet back in his third game, a home run prop of plus 255. That is expectation. <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz, who had his second career home run last night at the Great American Ballpark, plus 450 for the Reds as well. Because of the 10-game win streak, a half-game lead for Cincinnati in the National League Central. Jim, we have seen this division change so many times in the last few weeks how many more times in this major league baseball season do you expect the top team in the national league central to change hands well uh someone just bet the reds pretty heavy because they just shortened to plus 390 literally right now so wow. someone's buying into the reds um and i think that honestly league could change 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 hands here a lot because None of these teams are that good. Um, looking at my power rankings right now, based on each team's current active roster, nobody ranked higher than 17th in this division right now. That 17th ranked team is the Cubs. I worry about the starting pitching. I think if you told me right now the Reds would be healthy the rest of the way with their starting pitching, they had Hunter Green fully healthy and stuff like that, I'd be on board. They've been pretty decimated there, though, recently. So yeah. that gives me a lot of pause. Plus 390, which is their new number again post-shortening, I think that's that's not totally far off. Uh, it's a big jump down from plus 460, which they were earlier on. But I get why it's there, because you look at the the batting order here, they're going to score a lot of runs and they're going to be an exciting team. That's going to put them in pretty much every game they play. Guys like Abbott can be a lot of fun. I just I worry about the starting pitching specifically with the health. If you give me a healthy Reds Reds team top to bottom, I'm probably taking even a plus 390. They're just not there right now. So it does give me some pause. Maybe they struggle until guys get healthy. You can buy back into them later on uh, once the pitchers get healthier. Listen, the Cardinals were the odds-on favorite entering the year despite being in the cellar of the division. Only eight games separate all five teams in the National League Central. Jim Sonnets from Number Fire and FanDuel. Great to have you back on the show. Have a great Wednesday, my friend. Thank you. You too. Appreciate it, Ben. That starts very soon with a ton of Major League Baseball on the docket. We'll talk college baseball next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together here live on a Wednesday on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here across the Spiz Grizz. It includes the new SportsGrid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app now available for download at the Apple App Store. I'm going to give you a best bet out of emotion, out of feel, out of drama in almost at the College World Series. The new Sports Grid app, though, gives you actual information, insight, and data to make you a better sports better. It has tons of best bets across your favorite team, sport, league. It does not matter. So, as we look forward to the end of today's show, and we look forward to a great slate on the diamond on this Wednesday. Listen, a lot of day baseball, a couple of games starting before 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Enjoy it. But make sure you don't burn yourself out too early because tonight, it's a nightcap in Omaha, Nebraska between the LSU Tigers and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. You bet right. We're going to the College World Series. Before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for Bye Bye Bye. 
We're going down with the ship. No submarine pun intended. However, when we look at the College World Series and what we have seen here in 2023, four teams out of the original eight remaining. Double elimination format. It means the two teams that have been perfect, 2-0 starts, Florida and Wake Forest play today against TCU for the Gators. And for Wake, it's a rematch against the Bayou Bengals. It means that LSU and TCU need to knock off their respective opponents twice to get to the College World Series Finals. I'm not sure that happens, but I don't think LSU season comes to a close tonight. The Tigers are a Moneyline underdog, plus 118. And the nightcap at the Chuck, I, keep, I think the Bayou Bengals keep their season alive for at least one more day. That does it for the morning after on this Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday. I'm Ben Stevens. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.